Hey, Willow. Hey, Gene. We're back. We're back for another exciting episode of Bookstabber. It's felt like a million years, but it's so good to be back in the saddle, riding the book horse. Oh, riding the book horse. I like that. All right. That should have been, we should have gone with that instead of Bookstabber. More book people horse. would be subscribed if it was Book Horse. Well, it's not too late. We can we can change the name anytime we want to. Maybe we should change the name. All right. Month. That would be good. <laughs> That'll make it so easy to tell people about the podcast. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what are we reading? What did we read this episode? Oh, we read a very exciting book, which we're going to spoil in its entirety. So if you uh, if you have access to a trove of used paperbacks from the 80s and have not yet read this, it is The Hammer and the Horn by Michael Jan Fried that was published by Questar in 1985. I have a lot to say about this. May I say it now? Please, go ahead. So I've been buying a lot of uh, old 80s paperbacks, mostly because all of, or not all, but most of the stores that used to have great science fiction and fantasy sections, when I was a teenager in the 80s buying buying such paperbacks, have uh, shut down. And I have this bit of nostalgia where I want to have a bookcase full of these books that I mostly haven't. And I've been veering towards books about barbarians in strange worlds and books with just terrible covers. And The Hammer and the Horn seemed to fit the bill here. It is probably the most ridiculous cover I've seen on a book in a while. <laughs> I mean, it features this giant red-haired guy in a cave with no shirt on, but he's wearing jeans and a pair of, pair of work boots. And he's got this kind of monkey guy he's holding upside down. The monkey guy's got a sword, and the monkey guy is, is about to be thrown into some kind of underground chasm. And, and it's, it's in relief, so you can feel both the pecs of, of the buff guy and the uh, strange onesie the monkey guy is wearing and and the onesie is actually sparkling red on my cover it's 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 yeah it's, it's a it, it's an amazing it's a cover scale male singlet scale male there's, singlet there's, thank you for putting so much go there's, there's so much going on there is a lot would, of going on i would it, describe i would describe the the our main character uh on this cover it's he's not an attractive man uh well but he's not he's not an unattractive man either it does look like he's wearing the head of somebody else's it doesn't look like the head fits on the body to me but and and i should say this this cover is by uh a fantasy artist named rowena morrill who uh died in 2021 and she did some fantastic work i mean the, the quality of the painting is not what i'm really drawing attention to here it's more that it's just it's just a ridiculous cover her her covers for uh piers Anthony's Split Infinity and uh, Michael Moorcock's The Warhound and the World's Pain are really, really, really books that I uh, probably picked up in part because of the covers. Um, so I do like her work, but, but this is such a ridiculous book. And I want to say too, so as I search for these paperbacks, the the publisher of this is Questar. And Questar, I looked it up, was an imprint of Warner Books that was published from like 85 to 91. And this is a Questar fantasy. And every time I see Questar on the spine of a book, I always look at it. These covers tend to be ridiculous. They tend to be like like kind of strange, atypical uh, fantasy and science fiction in some way. I, I don't quite know what the thought was there, but this is a very strange book. And because on the cover it says, Vidar returns to battle, answering the call of the Norseman, wielding the power that is his alone, I thought it was the second book in a series. I was wrong. It's actually the first book in the Vidar series. There are three books. Um, I always like to read the second book. I believe in the Empire Strikes Back theory. The second book is always better. I was kind of excited because of that. And then I realized it was the first book. And yeah, anyway, I, I want to I talk about Friedman for a second. Friedman is uh, a working freelance writer writes mostly uh, licensed science fiction and fantasy novels he's written books uh, in the aliens universe predator some dc superhero marvel superhero universe novels he's he's got a huge list of books that he's done i think since the since the early 80s and this is one of the few books that's an original work by him he seems to be somebody who you can just point at a subject he comes up with a storyline pretty quickly he's also done some comics he seems he seems to really get a lot of writing done. I'm I'm envious of this as we start to talk about it. Like I really I really admire his output, um, just for its sheer its sheer volume. And he just seems to be a very reliable worker, a writer worker to to get that much stuff done. So as as we delve into this book in particular, um, that's where I stand on this whole thing. Willow, do you have the uh, pitch for the hammer and the horn? I'm almost afraid to ask. Yeah, no, I think this is I think this is actually might be the easiest book to pitch we have had in a while. Okay. Um, so imagine if you will that the Norse gods are real, that they live in in the halls of Valhalla in, in Asgard, uh, just 
like the myths, but not quite exactly like the myths that you know. Ragnarok did happen, but instead of being the death of all the gods, there were some survivors. And one of those survivors is Vidar, son of Odin, who is now living on Earth as a humble sculptor in Woodstock, New York, <laughs> uh, trying to sell sculptures to rich people. When suddenly one of Thor's sons pulls him back into the world of Asgard and all of the troubles of the Nine Realms as Elf and Dark Elf and Giant take up arm against each other. Uh, this time led by uh, one of the one of the Aesir Valley and a mysterious entity known only as Yig. Vidar is going to have to use all of his strength and wits to uh, save his immortal life from being killed by giants and elves alike in the hammer and the horn coming to a theater <laughs> near you. That's great. That was great. Yeah, well, it's yeah, I mean, it's not a it's not a hard one to pitch because it's it's extremely straightforward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, as I buy these books, what I find myself doing is I crack them open. I usually read the first few pages and often the first chapter. And the first chapter of this is such it's it's so bad. I was waiting for it to get going. (laughs) I, I I have no idea how we're going to talk about this book because yeah. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what there is to say about this book. On one hand, I think that compared to the past several books we read, like I you know far and away this is a you're you're gonna disagree with me. Like this is a better book than like Gideon the Ninth or something. It you know. Oh, you're insane! You're insane! Nobody nobody's read this book, and that's fine. I, I I'm not even saying it's a good book. I do think it's competently written. Like it is. It is. No, no, no. It, it's incredible competently written i i totally agree with yes that. and in particular the violence is very competent i i think it right. sings in the violence which is which is what i want from these books but it's it's so strange it does this it well so well what it feels like to me was that so like this book feels like an assignment it feels like it does i agree with like that. like somebody had a due due date for a novel that you know just needed to sit on a shelf and so they wrote it up and by god they got it done on time it it is a complete book it has the correct word count in it it has the correct amount of chapters but it doesn't feel like anyone wanted to write it it doesn't feel like anyone wanted to read it uh, i'll i'll say I'll say this before we even get into it. I, I think I think where it falls down, uh, my friend Tim Allen is always the comedian. No, not the comedian. No, my my friend Tim Allen, who's uh, the writer of Tim Allen Tim Allen Stories Go check it out. He's posting things online. So so Tim's always Tim's always talking about how to get people to care about your characters, and and I just I just never cared about anybody in this book, and I think I think that's the problem with a lot of of books, and and I think that's why we don't pick books up. Why it's why we put them down, and I think. I think that like there's an attempt at the beginning to get me to care about him, but it's it just doesn't work for me. I, but 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 in but in saying that, I want to say that like I can see how Michael Jan Friedman could write a book about Picard, like a Star Trek the gener- new the, the next generation novel, or like he, he wrote a lot of a books character about who we already like, right? Or he, he wrote a lot of books about young Picard. I think he's more known for those than anything else. I I, I get that he can look like absorb who that character is and then write a story about them because I already care about that character it's much easier some of that has come along to this book some of that thing he does where he writes a book about like the ultimates or 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 a story about the ultimates or whatever like I'm just trying to remember things that I saw in in his in his uh, list of things that he wrote uh, in his bibliography I I see that 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 would work very well but there's just not there's no hook here for me here like you got Vidar he's 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 hiding in Midgard he's uh, a sculptor and there's this very very awkward scene at an art gallery opening the first chapter where he's kind of trying to be charming and then his ex-girlfriend walks in he's got a he's got a metal sculpture called uh, elf candle <laughs> that he's somebody is which is a very awkward thing it's it's like iron flames around a disc of the sun it's not described enough for me to really see it um we know well, that it's abstract it is described as abstract sculpture and that i don't think um although although vidar is literally one of the old norse gods who knew knows elves and right. knows what their candles look like i think that 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 name is uh so weird like he 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 knows that he's doing abstract sculpture like so this is the thing that i think this first chapter is actually the most interesting part of the entire book oh my god what well no because i think that it gets less interesting the 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 more that it's just about like a very by the numbers adventure Mm. set in you know asgard like Mm -hmm. that part is is fine there aren't any great surprises like there there's one big surprise uh i would say that we will spoil 
well um, because we go through the plot so meticulously. Well, I don't, I don't even know if it's worth doing that this time, but... Oh, no, it's not. It's not. Well, here's... I I basically didn't finish this book. I basically had to speed read the last third of it. And as I was doing it, I was like, wow, I'm kind of surprised that even though I'm skipping large blocks of text, like nothing interesting is happening from the p- parts of the text that I am Well, there, there are huge parts where he's just imprisoned and looking out a window and you're like, what, what is going on right now? I don't even know. Stu- I mean, dude gets imprisoned like four times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He spends a lot of the book locked up. It's it, and, and No like, one has been imprisoned as much as this guy. Very strange. Yeah, I, well, and, and, and for uh, somebody who's kind of meant to be a god of war, he's kind of a pacifist. He doesn't really want to fight. He wants to bring everybody together, but then he just keeps violating his own beliefs. It, it, it potentially well, has an interesting book like Vidar the Pacifist Aesir, but, yeah, but it's not. Well, what, what year was this published? Because that was a very popular trope at the time. Oh, was it? I don't remember that. 85? Yeah, I mean, like, you, you, you remember the David Carradine kung fu show. Like, there's so many there's so many stories about, you know, men of peace who must, you know, break their vows to, to do battle in the name of good. That, like, that's like Steven Seagal. Yeah, exactly. Just like Steven Seagal. He's going to catch a bullet in his teeth, and he's going to get arrested for sex trafficking. Well, so so the opening chapter, Vidar is having some kind of he's he's moved away from the city. He's he's living in upstate New York. He's working on metal sculptures. He's broken up with his girlfriend Alyssa, who uh, was also a sculptor, but she was a sculptor of wood. And there's a, there's a there's a great little line. I didn't write down many quotes from this, but as he's thinking about her, he'd come to only one conclusion: that he liked her for the same reasons he liked metal and wood and stone for its hardness, its intransigence, <laughs> its intransigence, its strength. <laughs> I died, and then she comes. And, <laughs> I she love comes intransigence. And then she comes and she says, oh yeah, I'm with somebody else, but we broke up. <laughs> and then like, like he's like kind of miffed. He's having this midlife crisis. He's not really happy. And then he goes home. And then this guy, Modi, who's Thor's nephew, Thor's dead. Modi is like, Modi contacts him through mind speech and says, oh, oh, the only thing we see, we see of Vidar's uh, otherworldliness in that, in that moment is he grabs his sculpture and crushes it after this woman kind of is not interested in it anymore because he runs out to go talk to uh, Alyssa, his former lover who has appeared and then just disappeared. <laughs> she appeared just long enough to make him irritated and then disappeared. And then he goes home and Modi contacts him via, via mind speech and says, hey, I'm in Crete. <laughs> Come save me. I'm wounded. <laughs> And if you're wondering, dear listener, oh, is there an interesting reason that uh, one of the Asgardian gods is in Crete that maybe we're going to see some Greek gods? No, the answer there is, is not. no. There is not. Although, there's, no, there's no good reason. Although although Jan Michael Friedman did did another, or my, sorry, Michael Jan Friedman did another book about the Greek gods in our world. <laughs> so maybe there was some crossover. There was some crossover potential right. there, maybe. So Vidar goes to, um, well, he gets ready to leave and he digs up this ram's horn that he has buried in in a leather case in the ground somewhere on his property it's too dangerous to leave there and then he begs a favor from somebody he doesn't just have money he has to get a favor from somebody who buys him the ticket and gives, gives him some uh greek money and then right. he and then he flies there <laughs> and then and, it, and like my favorite note about about this whole thing where i'm like why is this even why am i even being told of this the in-flight movie was the sting the landing was uneventful <laughs> i just loved it i'm like what like this is this is kind of that's the kind of detail I love and it was like I was like I don't understand it just took me right out of it and then some some boy is talking to him and he asks the boy if he knows about Vidar and uh, he explains who he is basically <laughs> he was the bastard son of Odin he slew Fen- he slew the he slew Fenris and and Fenris's wolves at Ragnarok like thanks for letting us know who you are and then right. there's the first chapter sometimes there are, there are chapters not always there's these interstitial chapters which are tales mm-hmm. of the Norse gods by this guy named Sin Scolding, like mm-hmm. back in the early, I don't know, three, four hundreds AD and on. He's a, he would be what we call a scop. He's a, a, a troubadour, a storyteller. And we later find out that Sin Scolding was? It was none other than Vidar. Yes. Walking amongst the mortals. Yes, correct. Correct. Which, which I'll, which I'll say, I liked that detail. I like that uh, detail I too. If, if I cared about this book, it would be... Uh, it would be i mean it is it is one of its few merits now right um <laughs> and yeah and, and and well the story itself is is uh is fine like uh there are hrim thursar which are giants and there are thursar who are also giants but by giants we don't mean that they're huge we just mean that they're kind of these powerful guys apparently like the guy on the cover they wear the 
chainmail onesie. Right. They're, I don't know. They're strong beings. They aren't human. They aren't gods. They're they're giants. You know, L- Loki is a giant, and and Loki's a giant. Something that um, you know, I have. I'm I'm a big mythology buff. I really like mythology, and you know, I sure like Marvel Thor comics as much as anyone, and mm-hmm. I like when Neil Gaiman does his Norse mythology and stuff. And so, you know, when you when you enjoy mythology, you know that stories vary. But this this one makes a lot of changes to a lot of material. But and and I kind of like the explanation of like, well, this is Vidar telling the story, and he was actually there, and everything else is corrupted you know right right it's, but, but, but there's some strange some strange stuff right oh yeah there's in, a lot of strange stuff in the scolding tales I, I will say i don't know norse mythology that well so i i i knew some of the strange stuff i was seeing but but um like that first tale i can't remember what's what's even in it it's it's kind of a uh general story about odin making the cosmos i think um right and Do then you the, remember there's a there's a story that takes forever maybe it's the one you're thinking of where it's just like what do what does everybody call a forest and they're like well <laughs> the, the asgardians call it yes. a, a brimble tam and the elves call it a jigajab and the dark yes. elves call it a schnurberb and it's very strange. Uh, very, but like whatever. The humans call it forest, and and that goes on forever and ever and ever. Oh, I mean, I mean, I, I can I can totally imagine writing a book where you're like, I just don't like the way that that Norse myth worked. I'm going to rewrite it a little bit. This is how it should be. And then you're like, what? Are oh we yeah, this? like 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 it makes well, makes a lot of sense. Oh, there's a lot of fun. I mean, uh, Neil Gaiman wrote the script for that um, Beowulf movie that that most people didn't like, but I think is actually pretty good. Oh, I prefer the Christopher Lambert Beowulf movie. Have you seen that one? I I have not. I'll have to add that to my list. I'm woefully behind on films. I'm going to say, please so one, do. I don't know if you've seen the, the Neil Gaiman Beowulf movie. I have not. So one of the things that's really nice about it, the in the original text, uh, it's it's kind of an odd story because it involves Beowulf going out, defeating Grendel, then Grendel's mom, and then later, like years and years later, he has to fight this unrelated dragon, and he dies fighting the dragon, and, and it's kind of a weird story, and you're like, why is this related to the other things other than Beowulf did it? But Neil Gaiman actually comes up with, like, and then there's a story behind the story that is linking the dragon to Grendel's mother... And and weaving in like this is part of Beowulf's like failure as a character and his redemption and it's very well done. Oh nice! All right, I'll put that on my list to watch. Uh, I I so yeah I I think if, if there's any reason not to like it it's because it has that waxy um, Robert Zemeckis uh, animation. That CGI yeah and, the, the whole thing is 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 uh computer generated right well no i think so there were real actors and then they got uh sort of rotoscoped in 3d which it's the same thing as the polar express like tom hanks was in front of a green screen um right that that being said i think this movie does better with it than say the polar express uh does that make it perfect no but i think it's a very watchable movie independent of the gross animation you it's it's fine <laughs> okay it, it's it's a good movie is what i'm trying to say i'm gonna take your word for that maybe maybe i'll comment in a in a later episode about how, how much i liked or disliked it um please do but uh let's see so so fidara knows where he's going he knows he knows the cave i think the cave is like part of the entrance to our world from wherever modi was Right? Is that right? right? There's like a hole in, th- in whatever world he was in. And this is where he meets a, a bunch of giants. I don't remember if they are Thursar or him. Thur- 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 well, 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 well he, yeah. go, he, he goes in. It, there's like a cross on, in the cave for no good reason, too, because like Christians have used it at some point. Modi's there. He's wounded. He tends to him. And then there's a dead Thursar there that, that who, who followed Modi. And Modi says... Oh, they have Mjolnir. Like, uh, there's this guy named Ig. I think Ig is Hod. Hod is uh, one of Vidar's brothers. He has Mjolnir. If if he can use Mjolnir, like he's uh, besieging this place called what Scatterland. I can't remember what it's called. And uh, yeah. And we gotta we gotta go stop him. But also, these giants could just come into this cave anytime and kill me. I don't know why they haven't yet. Here, here's the one guy I killed. And then and then and then in a very strange moment, a giant rushes into the cave from the from the other world. And just runs out into the night, <laughs> right? And then come the the Thursar, and I think they're chasing him. But they they actually uh, there's going to be a big fight, and they pledge themselves to to Modi. They're on they're on Modi's side. So Vidar is very surprised. Then Vidar says, "Well, I have to go find this guy." And that's when we find out Vidar is a little bit different than the other 
Aesir. Vidar goes out to find this guy. Everybody assumes he's going to end his life. His name's Burry. And uh, Vidar just kind of says, basically, hey, man, how about if I just just come back with me? I guarantee you're going to be fine. You know, it's going to be okay. He peers into his he, he peers into people's minds. Vidar does a little bit. Make, he knows that the Thursar who came in, including Stim, who becomes a little bit important to the story later, uh, and, and Stim and Burry, like, are the two that come out of this that are important. Um, Stim tells Modi where the hammer can be found uh, in Scatterland. Everybody looks a little askance when, when Vidar comes back to the cave with Burry still alive. There's another insane interstitial story about uh, Odin getting the Prim Thursar and, and Loki to build a high wall around Asgard, and, and Odin plans to kill them to add to the wall's power but uh, doesn't, and Loki grabs somebody's bride and escapes. Ha ha ha, right? Yeah, that sounds... That sounds right? Sounds, <laughs> this book is kind of a, a haze for me. I'm not going to be very good on the moment-to-moment stuff on this well, one. Well, this, this horn, this horn that, uh, <laughs> that Vidar has... Is that does that exist in Norse mythology? I assume it does. It's entirely possible. I have never heard of it. So the horn, the horn when somebody blows it, which we don't we don't know what the horn's power is until much later, but the horn when somebody blows it, if you blow the horn, all your enemies just die. Right. Right? It's just a right, which is there's definitely a I can name the D&D item called the horn of blasting that it sounds like and maybe that is based on a mythological thing like many things in D&D are. Okay. Uh but I've never heard well, I've never heard of the Norse god Vidar to begin with, and I've never heard of this magical horn. So there's there's a lot of stuff that I, I just don't know if the author's making it up or if he did his research. It could be both. I, I think it's probably a combination, you know? I mean, like, like he's certainly having it his own way, and I think that's fine. Um so they... I think that it, I think that for a book called The Hammer and the Horn, it's astounding how little either of them matters. Well, no, the hammer, the hammer, and the horn are, are very central because the 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 they go to retrieve the hammer now in in the camp that's besieging this this city called Scotland. Burry is from that side that's besieging the city, and 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 basically Vidar's like, listen, I need you to lead us to the hammer. And Burry makes Vidar promise that he won't sound the horn. Burry helps him do that if he betrays his people. And and Vidar's like, well, look, if you do this, a lot less people are going to die of your people, of my people. Like, let's just let, let's do it. And so they sneak in there, and what's what's the guy's name? I, I want to call him Egg, but what's his name? Ig? <laughs> what are you saying? Uh, I was saying Yig. Yig. Uh, you're you're probably closer, but so, so so Yig Yig has a mask on, and they think Yig is Hod, who uh, who the current guy who who rules the Aesir uh, Va- Valley hates because because Hod killed Balder uh, a long time ago, and Balder was so beautiful. Right, which is a myth that people who like mythology generally all know that uh, this is the starting of Ragnarok is when... But Hod, who was blind, uh, was tricked by Loki into firing a mistletoe arrow at Baldur. Mistletoe being the only thing right. that uh, could could ha- possibly harm Baldur. Is that where you get the word missile? Uh, no. Well, you know what I love about that story, though, is that... Uh, <laughs> that part of the story that like that's supposed to be like this great tragedy or whatever but it's really funny because literally the the premise of that story is that none of the thing nothing in the universe is allowed to harm balder because his mom asked everything very kindly not to and so everyone is playing this game with like just throw shit at balder it's funny so they're just like throwing elephants and rocks and fire at him and it's just bouncing off him and but i love that image of like it's because it's just ridiculous it's just like it's like a carnival game you play with Balder, right but and like they're trying to hurt him essentially and delighting in the fact that they are unable to they're just like yeah every knife every sword every spear just this laid on me so, so, so the only plot point that happens here is they sneak into the camp uh bury takes vidar alone at some point they realize the hammer is probably in yig's uh tent yig is asleep apparently with the mask on or i think it's he's turned away maybe and Vidar searches the whole place without dis- without disturbing Ig, and then realizes it must be under the bed, and reaches under there. Oh, there's the hammer! <clears throat> and Ig grabs his hand, uh, and then they wrestle. And what we find out here is that Ig is way stronger than Hod should be. 
because Vidar, Vidar's nickname, his his Norse god nickname is the Jawbreaker. Like Thor is the Thunderer or whatever. Uh, Vidar is the Jawbreaker for some tale when he broke somebody's jaw in a wrestling contest. And he's he's just one of the most strong gods. But this this god, whoever is wearing the mask, is stronger. And but still, <laughs> Hot or uh, Vidar manages to escape with Buri, I think, and then he gets back to the people, and they all run into the city. But th- that's one of the first indications we have that maybe Ig is not Hot at all. Um, which is kind of a mystery that's that's supposed to be propelling the story at this point from this point forward. Well, we who are media savvy people, like because because the characters are their first assumption is that Yig is Hod, we're of course like, eh, Yig's not Hod. That that's not right. And you know, and if you're savvy with Norse mythology, you're like, well, realistically, it's probably one of the two prominent trickster figures because right. because if there's a concealed identity. It's either going to be Odin or it's going to be Loki. Well, what's really strange is Loki. Loki doesn't. Loki does not appear in this in this story, though. Right? I kept waiting for Loki to rear up, but no. Nope. Right. Well, it, it right. It could have been Loki or it could have been Odin. And guess what? It was one of those two people. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Not to, not to ruin. Well, and so so uh, they're inside the city, and the city is about to be besieged. Valley, I think. Does Valley arrive or no? Some, somebody on Valley's behalf arrives. I, I can't remember but they get a hold of um vidar's horn and they're like hey man like you know if you don't if you don't blow this horn i'm gonna blow it and vidar's like look if you blow that horn everybody's gonna die because you're not attuned to the horn there's also a thing about being attuned to mjolnir like you have to be attuned to these magical weapons and 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 vidar says well like like if you blow it everybody's gonna die and and whoever that is just says look so what if we all die that's my that's my kind of role it doesn't matter you know what i mean it won't distinguish friend from foe who cares and vidar's like yeah but those people on the plains are just pawns and and whoever it is is like oh it's nagi nagi says nagi says um and who is nagi i don't remember but but it must might be a priest (laughs) of valley because these guys not not just being they are gods i don't know whatever that means was that uh, was that eric's dad i remember the i don't know if it's eric's dad or it's just one i think it's a priest of of, i can't remember it's uh, who who cares but uh uh, there's also a lot of questions about like what does it mean to be a priest of a deity who's a guy who's in the same room like if 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 you're a priest of vidar who is a god and vidar's in the room with you and you know is a fallible being like what good is being a priest of anything i don't know (laughs) i i I don't know but i I mean like it's so strange and like like what does it mean to be a god i have no idea like like so so i mean apparently they're long aged and they have some small powers which we don't even know what their powers are wrestling (laughs) mind speech uh so so vidar decides to he says yes okay wait i'll I'll do it just so you don't kill everybody let's just kill those people out there on on the plains i will violate my oath to bury which is a shitty thing to do i want to say like Oh, absolutely. And well, and he feels bad when he does it. He's he's clearly unhappy about that. But he he blows the horn and these everybody just runs out of the tents. The whole everybody besieging the city runs out of the tents holding their heads bleeding <laughs> like there's bleed rivers of blood basically. And then they go among them later on and they're just like walking in this blood mud. It's it's gross. And 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 then Valley comes in and Valley's like, "Oh, it's so good that that Hod or whoever Ig has shown up because if he wasn't there, I'd want to I'd want to invent him because I I, I need people to conquer." We have to we have to be an empire again, and uh, Vidar is kind of alarmed at that. Um, oh, and they keep his horn, so the horn doesn't make another appearance. They keep his horn; they're going to use it against whoever. Um, and then he's imprisoned <laughs> for the first time <laughs> by Valley, and uh, he escapes by taking control of Eric's mind. Um, they're going to go to uh, Indilthrar and try to talk to Ig. Uh, he, t- he goes with Stim and Eric. I think Burry's there. Burry dies at some point. I didn't really care about Burry, so he... Yeah. I don't well, know. Well, that's the thing. Is that it, you know, it's hard to care about the protagonist, but it's also hard to care about almost any character in this book that I don't... I don't know anything about Stim that makes him interesting. I don't know right. anything about Eric. They like they they just aren't they they are less than action figures because they're not even like colorful in Absolutely. the way that action figures are. They they just are names on the page. Eric is good looking and he's human ish. <laughs> so well, he's a man. I, I, I mean, it's pretty rare that like I guess the giant characters are described as like having like craggy black eyes and I think at one point uh, it's described that like they can't emote. Yes. And yeah. So, yeah. 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 They, they literally have no uh, ability. They're just like just like like uh, Stephanie in Library Comic. They just never show any emotion <laughs> in their face, right? I move her eyebrows sometimes. Okay. 
Very subtle. Um, but but Valley hates Hod. Valley hates Utgard. He's going to destroy Utgard, which is this this realm that we're in now. Think he'll spare Midgard? Well, Vidar doesn't think so. You know, Val like uh, Valley has to be stopped, which means Egg has to be stopped, which means like like it's Vidar against everybody, right? And uh, he's imprisoned. He escapes. Heads to go talk to Egg. They walk through a place after Valley's men. Valley's, Valley's men have killed the, the bunch of elves looking for food. The elves are not happy. They they imprison who? <laughs> Vidar and Stim and Eric. Eric's like, hey, you controlled my mind back there, didn't you? And Vidar's like, yes, I did. And Eric's like, oh, I guess I'll go with you anyway. Thanks for that. <laughs> Whatever. And then the elves take them underground and sell them to like basically the dark elves who are also kind of the dwarf characters in this book. What? Right, which is true to to Norse mythology that so Svartalf, which means dark elf, actually is what we think of as dwarves. And in fact, the the actual word dwarf probably does come from the word Svartalf. It's just been corrupted and altered so much over time and language is very uh nice. So well, and- right, although and, and this is the part that I thought was really weird. So so we meet the Dark Elves, which are even... He does call them Dwarven, but also mostly just refers to them as elves and describes like... Dark underground. Yeah, so, sorry, sorry. They have green eyes and, and they have... They, they basically look exactly like elves except with dark skin. And uh, and, and we meet the queen of the, of the Dark Elves, whose name is uh, Baranit. Baranit, yes. Very nice. Uh, and who is immediately just like who's hot oh yeah the well <laughs> hot as fuck the she she comes off in in kind of a threatening manner because we're we're meant to understand that like the elves gave the the light elves gave our our protagonist to the dark elves for imprisonment and punishment well they sold them but, they sold them into slavery to them right right but then the and then but then Baranet, the queen of the dark elves is like you know uh vidar thinks they're screwed and eventually, Brynn is like, "Oh no, we think you guys are cool. We're gonna help right. you. You're, we're we're on the same side." And so there's a big relief. And then this is this is the big. <laughs> this is. The, I know what you're gonna say. Uh, this is the big twist. Uh, Vidar is just looking at at this dwarf queen and says, and and realizes that she's descended from the god Baldur. We don't know how many because uh, th- they live forever. They all of these species live forever, so we don't actually know how many generations removed. Uh, she is she might be the direct daughter for all we know right uh but as soon as soon as he realizes he says it out loud and she's like well yeah of course and then immediately they start making out and they go they go screw well i think she i think she i think she calls him i think she calls him leathershot which is his secret name that balder gave him at one point right right. in in a find out in a tale from skin scalding or whatever his name is and sin scalding and uh that that's kind of part of one of the clues too but yeah and and i will say you know what for an awkward sex scene in a book this is not the most awkward it mostly happens off frame well right that's actually the best part about it is that it is off frame like it is it is the least awkward however the thing about it that is awkward is that relationship of like you know there's the there is this subtext that is about like well everybody loved balder he was just the best guy ever like balder was great but there's almost an implication here that like he's only attracted to her because she's descended from balder and that's weird that's extremely weird to me well you get a sense you get a sense you get a sense balder the beautiful was attractive to everybody everybody wanted a little balder don't you get that sense well yeah and so it's weird because like also they were best friends and so it's like oh you're like the granddaughter of my best friend you're we're probably we're related functionally let's let's bang it out well it's not the creepiest moment in the book and i don't know if you if you (laughs) if you went past the creepiest moment which i'm coming to um i probably did oh wow oh willow there's such a creepy moment i'm going to tell you about so 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 the dark elves take them on this is my least favorite moment of any any kind of quest book. Like the dangerous part of the journey, which is dangerous for no good reason. They they lead them underground through this river. Baranit's brother dies in that in that journey, and and uh, Vidar feels a little guilty. But do we care? Not really, because <laughs> because no. we didn't really know him. Um, well, and, they, and even the other even the other dwarves are like, no, it was it, a good death. It, that it's he okay. Had. It's fine. Like they're they're super chill with it. And only Vidar is actually upset. And Vidar sends most of them away when when they get to. Uh, Idilthrar, which is where which is where Ig is being besieged by Valley's forces, and uh, I yeah, what what happens next? Um, so so I mean, I think we can skip to the confrontation of Ig. Well, well, there's a really awkward Literally thing. Nothing itch- well, there's an awkward thing where um, what is it? It's Stim and Nagi and uh, Eric 
and Vidar. Oh, I, I think I know where this is going. They sneak into they sneak into the castle. Know. They sneak into the castle, kill a few people, rush into into Ig's uh, room where he's meeting with all his generals with his mask on for <laughs> no reason I understand. And uh, and uh, they interrupt them. And there's this huge battle where Vidar the whole time is just like, hey, man, I just wanted to talk to you. <laughs> you know, like, aren't you going to listen right, to me? Right. Um, and we find out, too, somewhere in there that at Baldur's funeral, Odin whispered something to Baldur, this 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 truth. And and that at Ragnarok, uh, as Vidar walked among all the dead, like like Vidar slew Fenrir, uh, some of the wolves, uh, and that uh, Odin died in a flash of fire, apparently uh, the death blow dealt by Loki. Like it's all this stuff that kind of plays into the book in a, in a, in a, in a very nicely crafted way in terms of the way the story turns. But, but at Ragnarok, um, as, as everybody was dying, like Vidar just was like, man, everybody's the same in death. We're all, we're all the same. We're no different except who we choose to be, something like that. Um, so they sneak into the city and then when they sneak into the city, how do they come into the city? They have to come out of a tunnel into, of course, a brothel and they have to disguise themselves as women for a while too. Very strange, very well, strange they, scene. My, my understanding is they didn't even really like, they're just wearing robes, right? Right. Because I think, I think the description is that Vidar's beard is poking through his hooded robe. Right. And some giant is like, uh, he's, I, he's, I don't remember who he's pointing out, but he's like, hey, share those ladies, some, which I, I think is supposed to be a, a reference to a story in which um, there's a giant who demands to marry one of the one of the Aesir. And so Loki dresses Thor up as a woman to sneak in oh. because because this well, it's 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 a very funny myth where um, this giant has stolen Mjolnir somehow through deception and is like, I'll give you Mjolnir back if you if I can marry the most beautiful of the Aesir. Mm. And so so Thor is is going is going in disguise as as the I can't remember if it's Frigga or Frey or whoever it is. Um, the names are too similar for me to remember at this mm-hmm. moment without researching. But he still like has his full beard. Like he still looks like Thor. And so it's kind of a it's a it's a humorous story nice. in which in which the giant is like that's that's Frigga uh something's I don't I don't know she looks different than the last time I saw her like it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon right the Norse were so and progressive just, these are great stories that need well, to be reclaimed and so right and Thor's just trying to like contain his like bloodlust the whole time because he just wants to reach out and <laughs> destroy this giant and so they like go through all of these wedding formalities of like we have to have a feast we have to do all this stuff and Loki's just like pretending to be like a handmaiden the whole time <clears throat> it's a very funny story so anyway I assume that this was kind of a version of that where even though Vidar is is doesn't look like a woman and has a full beard, the giant maybe the giants just don't know or they don't care and they're like, Hey, you got a lady, let me have some and so like picks Vidar up. Vidar just like punches his lights out immediately. Right. So I I didn't interpret that as creepy. Weird, yes. Well it's it's no it's it's weird. This is not the creepy part. So so they so then they um let's see oh so then uh vidar vidar is a prisoner again in in, in igg's <laughs> tower right. and and is this when we find out he's odin yes. and odin was burned up in that fire that flash of fire and escaped to another realm where he was kind of corrupted and now odin is like a nihilist nothing matters right uh, everything should be destroyed right. A- after right odin did not die in ragnarok as we were meant to believe but rather he's he's horribly burned and that, and he continues to wear the mask that he wore as Odin. The name of the, see part of the problem is that it telegraphed itself mm-hmm. too easily because we only find out in this same chapter that the name Yig was also the name of Odin's war mask. Oh, okay. And, and and we see the mask and and Vidar's like, yeah, that's the mask that Odin used to wear when they went into battle. No, no, no. We, lo we, and behold, we, we knew that beforehand. We, it, the the book makes reference to the mask being Odin's mask, but somebody else has taken it up and is wearing it in battle now to kind of inspire that well that anyway. frenzy i mean i mean i think but, I, as i remember it so anyway yeah this guy's been odin the whole time and what i think is kind of funny is this idea that like odin how could you do this thing but actually in greek i'm sorry in greek in norse mythology this is exactly what odin did all the time he like he is a chaos god he his whole thing is that he sows chaos amongst the realms like hmm. he's constantly provoking war between everyone he's an asshole like odin albeit king of the king of the asgardians is a is a dick <laughs> like he's 
so like the idea that this was that this was completely unlike the odin we knew it's like that's not true this is exactly the odin we knew the whole time well but it makes it makes a weird point because it says that like odin was the creator and like odin as they explored the chaos as they explored the chaos of the different realms that they found like odin kind of brought them under his sway and created order right i mean that's kind of and civilization to some extent um and looked around yeah but that's well, it, within the fiction of this world, that's true, but that's not really true okay. in Norse mythology. I mean, the the world was carved out of Ymir, the the frost giant's body, and then like there was there were already groups of beings who had formed their own civilization right. independent of the Asgardians or Odin. You know, the the Vanir were, and and there's a lot of really interesting um, sociological stuff about like the Vanir were. A pantheon of gods of different people who were conquered by you know the norse mm-hmm. uh and then and then their pantheon was adopted into the larger pantheon like the, the the mythology actually mirrors what happened in the real world so anyway that's that's a whole lot of stuff anyway but okay so we find out gig is odin in in this book and vidar makes a big pitch for utgard like leaving utgard alone he's like it's full it's beautiful like men and thursar and him thursar everybody lives together it's kind of cool it's an awesome place odin doesn't care nothing can live and what's strange is like so that means like valley wants to conquer it odin wants to conquer it and destroy it right and we find out in another story from uh from the bard that that vidar was a healer he's made reference to this before like thor and heimdall were also healers uh lifflings i think they're called and vidar can split pain with people which which will make him i think it will end his life eventually is is the implication that's why he's aging He's spending right. some of his he has life to force. transfer his own life force to uh, an ailing being to right. heal their wounds. And and uh, Stim dies in questioning by uh, Ig off screen. He's he's so unimportant in the story that Stim just whoop he's dead. But Eric and Nari, what happened to them? Maybe they're still alive. And then there's the strangest flashback of all willow which i'm worried that you skipped over it's the story of why vidar will not have any more children why he wouldn't have children with uh Alyssa in the first chapter uh-huh. is finally answered did you read this part no i'm afraid that this part I oh did, i must have skipped it is quite so heinous go ahead and lay it on, lay it on me so vidar for a while lived as a fisherman and he fell in love with this this young woman who uh he had a child with and uh as that woman aged like he loved being a father and loved being a husband but as that woman aged he didn't age and you know it was kind of awkward and he had a good 20 years it's the Connor mcleod story with a twist the twist being that hey his wife was a young woman or not his wife his daughter was a young woman as his wife got older oh, and he found no. he found himself lusting after her and he couldn't he couldn't have that because that was wrong so he left now at least he left but that's why he didn't have a kid well i lusted so, after so vidar kid. and vidar and donald trump have something in common great well great. something something weird i mean i you know i'm not i'm not putting that on anybody but vidar like left and then he's just he's just sitting in prison moping a little bit looking at the looking at the siege weapons the siege of the siege of the city of uh what i hate about what i hate about that is that you didn't need an explanation no you didn't you didn't need an explanation at all because it's it's kind of obvious why you wouldn't want to have a child with a mortal if you lived forever because you would outlive that child and that would be sad that's just a sad in the same way that maybe you just don't want to adopt another dog that like you know what (laughs) i've had one dog and it it dying was really sad well what i found strange what i I found strange about that story is it didn't make him not want to have a relationship with a mortal person (laughs) right right like he still wanted a girlfriend he just didn't want a kid i I like like uh and all i could i I just i I heard queens who wants to live forever just queue up in my mind um well i guess the i uh, not to be too gross but i guess there's the implication that maybe if the his kid was a boy he wouldn't feel that way like He's yeah just... i mean uh, yeah. <sighs> it's it's very it's very deep so so vidar is watching from his prison and he's hoping that uh he's hoping that valley wins the siege basically before he becomes attuned with the horn because if he blows the horn he will kill everybody in the city including him he keeps talking to valley valley won't believe that ig is odin uh there's the siege of the town vidar is kind of healing from getting beat up but there's trouble in the city between the priests and the nomads ig decides to sacrifice vidar to appease them somehow and he's going to sacrifice uh, eric and nari who were there with him as well and as they're about to be sacrificed tied to these statues of the ancient gods uh vidar stalls 
he stalls he stalls Ig slash Odin to answer some questions, and the last question he asks is, uh, "What was the secret he whispered to Balder when after Balder died?" Uh, and we find that out later, and it is not any big deal. And then there's a big <laughs> battle, and I love the battle. The battle's great. The siege is great. Valley swoops in and saves uh, saves Vidar. Uh, and maybe Eric and Nari, I can't remember who else lives. I didn't really care. And then at the end of the book, Odin has escaped and Vidar has pledged his sword to Ig's demise and uh, will go after him in the sequel, I assume, across the realms. Um, yeah. Oh boy, that was that was the hammer in the horn. Sure was a book. There's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of great writing in there. It's very, I mean, uh, you know. Oh, I, 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 I feel extremely conflicted about it because on one hand i think this is a better book than most of the books that we have read like yeah maybe not most but a lot like a lot of the books this has the kind of writing in it the actual like writing skill that is missing from contemporary fiction that and that frustrates me so much this doesn't feel like it was written for tumblr this doesn't feel like fan fiction right but it's also just not very interesting and yeah. so you know i i want it to i do want it to be better i do i do want to like the characters and i want the conflict to be and you know i i like fantasy paperbacks now and then i often it's it's a it's a weak spot of mine this one doesn't do it for me <laughs> well I, I think i think if i'd been more into norse mythology it probably would have pulled me into this book more if i if i'd just kind of been worked out i think about... that's part of the problem though is that it's not very it's not very good norse mythology like as someone who does care about that stuff yeah yeah. Well, well I, it, it, yeah. I mean, part of it is that it. I think it breaks kind of a sacred rule of like, well, you're you're changing this. Like, I'm not a big fan of that when, um, you know, there's a billion media properties that are all about like Grimm's fairy tales, but but here's how it actually went down, right? Right, right, uh, right, right. Yeah. And and some of them are really dark, and some of them are mostly just funny. Like, you know, what was that comic fables? Right, um, right, yeah. And I don't like most of them. And I think part of it is because I don't like the idea that, ah, but but you don't know what really happened. It's like, no, I do know what really happened. We we all know what really happened. That's the point of these stories. They form a canon. Every child can tell you the story of the three little pigs because it's, one, it's a very simple story. And, and because it's part of an oral tradition, like, we all know it. So the idea that, like, uh, but I have the real version. I, I I don't I don't believe you. I have the real version. That's a that's kind of a a rule that I think is immutable when it comes to this kind of thing. And and so you, you broke the cardinal sin, uh, Michael Jan Friedman. Don't it, and and honestly, the story as it is would have been fine if you hadn't. Like you could still have exactly all of the main players of in terms of Odin going crazy, becoming Yig, Valley and Hod. Like all that stuff would have been the same right i nothing nothing that was important needed to be changed i guess i i I, even even then even if everything else was the same i still think it would have been a pretty dull book well i think it's i think it's um it's better than so many books like this like the quest books in terms of not being totally overwritten and just in terms of its of its take on this norse god it, it being a little bit a little bit more original I feel like than a lot of others. I, you know, I, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by uh, the author, and I think I'm going to try to seek out his uh, his novels that aren't licensed properties. I think I'll keep an eye out for them now when I'm in um, in bookstores. Yeah, looking for my looking for my collection. But I think if people want a Norse mythology inspired fantasy adventure story from a similar time period, I would uh, recommend go looking up the fantasy works of Paul Anderson. Hmm. I think you'll you have a better time with those, except oh. for the Conan the Barbarian one that we read that was bad. <laughs> well, that, that, that Conan book is a very interesting um, kind of book to think about when thinking about this, right? Because the Conan yeah. the Conan book kind of kind of suffers in the same way. But but you read this it, one felt longer um, than that one did. That one that one felt like they, they both have kind of a similar problem where it feels like they're padding for time. Well, well, this this one like tries to make you care about Vidar in clumsy ways that the Conan book doesn't. I feel like L- like like the the bit at the beginning, the ties to our world, like like it doesn't really need that, right? If Vidar had just been hanging out right. in Utgard, it would have been fine. Like it doesn't it doesn't do much for me. Um, I think there's also something to be said about how like this book 
book really wants you to know that Vidar is a caring, kind soul who is only who is only forced to violence, you know, because he's thrust into it. Whereas Conan the Barbarian is just like, whatever, dude, I'll murder everyone. Right, I, right, I right. Don't, I don't care. And honestly, between the two, I even like Conan is not a deep character, but I am on between the two. I will take the Conan book any day because Conan just just does shit. He's very true to himself. It feels like right and and right. Uh, and, and Conan is a raging bull that can't be stopped. And Vidar, right. they make a big point about how strong Vidar is, but also Vidar like spends half of this book just like being the victim, and frankly, not in an interesting way. Whereas, yeah. I, I mean, Conan is taken prisoner a couple times in that book too, but at least he fucking does something about it. And it, like Conan feels more interesting, the protagonist, even though there's really nothing interesting about him in well, that book. Well, even even Conan's horniness is funnier, right? It, it, it's it's somehow oh, more absolutely. it's more relatable. You're just like, oh, Conan's like, hey, check her out. Mm, I'm gonna go bone her. But uh, right, I think that it is funnier, and I think that I think that the sex scene in this book, um, although I like it because it isn't actually a sex scene, it's just like and and then they screwed um i i will say that which i don't think is a direct quote from the book but yes no it's not but i i think i will say that this book does did a fine job with it um except that like it just came out of the blue it just like at no point like like Branit comes up so quickly they they immediately fall into each other's arms and then the very next chapter like we don't see Branit again We, we don't see her again like she's out of the picture it's, well, she, 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 so no, she, she appears at the end she appears at the end of the book i think okay because there was a scene where he talks about uh her brother dying her brother was like i can't remember what his name was it was b something as well <laughs> i think it was no i think it was moranin or something something yeah moran maybe there you go they have they have funny uh i trust glottal stop names i trust i trust your memory more than i trust my own but it was it, it, had, it had an apostrophe in it the name how's that well what are what is the next book that we're gonna read gene uh you tell me willow i think you picked it i'm so excited i yes i'm gonna reach behind me pick up the copy so that i can actually see the author's name the next book that we're reading for the podcast is The Loop by Jeremy Robert Johnson. How'd you pick this book? I can't remember. I found it in a bookstore and it looked just interesting enough that I wanted to give it a shot. However, before we end this podcast, uh, we have important bookstabber news. Uh, that Not actually. We, we have news that is interesting in the world of bookstabber at large, which is to say that uh, many episodes ago, I talked about a book called The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay which after after much uh meditation and deliberation i would like to say is probably the worst book i've ever read uh, <laughs> Why? i think i think it is actually the worst one that i've ever read and now did i read trailer I, I, is out. I, did i read that book i didn't read that book did i no you didn't i i i started reading it and i told you not to because you you would not be you would not like that book mm-hmm. I, I promise um however a trailer just came out this week guess what it is being there is a film adaptation of that book the oh worst book i've ever read and you'll never guess who's directing it michael bay m night Shyamalan. no <laughs> m night Shyamalan is making and now it's called knock at the cabin because i guess the i think because he realized that the, the name gives the the ending away <laughs> so he didn't want that um yeah and it looks terrible weirdly it stars uh dave batista and rupert grint um who's rupert grint anyway it, uh he was ron weasley in the harry potter films oh wow okay so it's definitely going to be bad because it's an m night Shyamalan movie based on just one of the worst things ever and um I I saw that trailer and I kind of wanted to go like dip my eyeballs in bleach like <laughs> I, I, I kind of wanted to stop existing for a while. Well, I mean, I mean, also, maybe maybe it's going to be a great movie. Maybe 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 M. Night Shyamalan has fixed everything you hated about the book, but probably not. I, well, you sh- I've seen the trailer and I can tell you that absolutely not. It is, <laughs> I, it, I mean, it, no, I don't even, I don't think you can fix that. Book, All right. If we're being honest. Well, I'm gonna. I, I I have to watch that movie now. What's it called again? Knock at the cabin. <laughs> yeah. Go look up the trailer. And All tell right. Me what you think. All right. I will. All right. Well, if you have suggestions for anything we should read together and talk about on Bookstabber, please uh, email us at bookstabberpodcast at gmail dot com. Anyway, take care. Have a good week. Keep stabbing.